1: been in my back for a while, I'm invincible. Story of a young boss grinding, shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor. And target that I shoot is point like a pencil. Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say Harley. now. Bet online
0: remains your number one source for all of your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All righty, guys, we are back with yet another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast, presented by Bet Online. I'm your host Andrew Robinson, and we are joined, as always, by our fellow superstar co-host Alexis Davis. Alexis, what's going on? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Cannot complain. Life is good. Life is good, man. Even better now that we got you know our guest on the podcast. We're gonna introduce him in a little bit. You know what I'm saying? To get to my guy, but. Before we introduce our guest, man, we gotta get the business out the way. If you guys watch the What's in Your Bag podcast every week, then you already know what's about to come. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure y'all stop what y'all doing right about now. Hit that subscribe button below. As if this recording, man, we just hit five thousand subscribers on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So we're growing fast. So make sure you guys join the family. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Um, we're growing every day, man. And you know we're on a journey to hit 10k, man. So you know what I'm saying? If you're watching this. Help us out. Go ahead and tap the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, man, give us a five-star rating. Go ahead and follow the show. It goes a long way. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the What's in Your Bag podcast. Um, We got some great stories on here, man, some great people. Um, And, you know, yeah, if you guys are liking it, then, you know, make sure you guys follow along, man. And last but not least, that was my guy Pull Up Tay on the intro. This is going to be him on the outro as well. One of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of the DMV. Make sure you guys are streaming his music. He's got an album on the way, man. So shout out my guy Monte, man. Keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Um, But without further ado, man, now that we got the business out of the way, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, man, we, we, we've had a bunch of amazing guests on here, amazing stories. And, and today's guest is right up that same alley, man. This is a man who... I actually got introduced. You know, it's crazy, man. The what's in your back family is growing. You know what I'm saying? Guests connect you to guests. And uh, our guy, Amar Multani, who we had a couple weeks ago, plugged us in with this man. Um, I don't even want to say he's a stylist. I mean, he's a stylish image consultant. Um, he wears a bunch of different hats, man. But he's worked with a bunch of NBA guys, You know, some of your favorite players in Canada. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode, man. But we are joined today by none other than Khalil Washington. Um, Khalil, man, thank you for joining us today.
2: Uh, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for working this out in the time zones, too.
0: Hey, no doubt, man. You know, we're going we're gonna to get it done no matter where you are at in the world. You know what I'm saying? Kaleo's joining us from Toronto. Got Alexis back in the hometown of the DMV. I'm out here in Japan, as always, man. But definitely we're excited to get this done, man, and have this conversation. As you guys can see, my boy got the drip on. You know what I'm saying? If you're watching this on YouTube, you see my boy K fitted. So you yeah, already know where this combo is about to go. You know what I'm saying? But... um. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of what you do, you know what I'm saying, I kind of want to rewind it a little bit just talk about, you know, your upbringing. Obviously, right now, you know, you're living in Toronto. You know, you're repping the city, obviously. Um, I feel like as an outsider, right, you know, as somebody who's born and raised in D.C., I always hear about Toronto. And, like, so I went to Coppin State. My coach, Juan Dixon, actually played for the Raptors. And I remember at Copper State, he's telling me, man, man, Toronto is my favorite NBA city. I'm like, man, what? Toronto is your favorite NBA city, like, the hell is in toronto you know what I'm saying and i thought toronto was super slept on you know what i'm saying as a city um but i've heard a bunch of great things and as i've gotten older you know playing pro basketball me and guys that have been places like yo toronto was lit you know so for you talk to us about just growing up in toronto um what the city is like and and then why isn't toronto so slept on you know as
2: a city i mean the, the slept on part is easy just because we're not a part of the states I think that makes it very easy to just say Toronto gets slept on because, like, on the outside, it doesn't immediately look like we've done too much because we're not in, you know, what's the immediate region for most of, you know, the consumers. But if you take a step back and you think about it, like, we kind of have been relevant for a while. I mean, there won't be a better dunker than Vince Carter. I know he's not Canadian, but that's, you know, that's a Toronto Raptors legend. Um. Uh, on the industry side, from like a, a music standpoint, we've put out a a few solid guys. I mean, Bieber, Abel, Aubrey, they're Canadian. So, I, never I mean, I feel like Canadian. I never we've always there. had the gems. We've always had the gems if people took the time to look. And that's just kind of like where mindset's at right now. A couple of my OGs have definitely drilled that home. It's just like, hey, um, never kind of stop in toronto because you know there's so much talent that comes out of the city that it often is slept on but like you have a couple you have a couple choices you could either you know fight for it, you can argue it or you could just know it and let that kind of fuel you so that's kind of where my my mentality is at but to answer the question around why toronto is slept on just simply because it's not in the states
0: yeah, yeah. And talk about just your upbringing in Toronto, like just growing up in the city, oh, yeah. kinda, you know, how that kind of got to you,
2: you know, more into in the person than you are today. Um, I mean, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Those are my OGs I and mean, rest, rest in, in peace with my grandmother. But my mom actually, um, she was also the whole reason I got into this whole fashion thing, too, just because she always made sure from like a very young age, my brother and I were taken care of, um, the the debate from the baby Jordans all the way through the school uniform, just making sure that we stayed equipped. Um, she was she always had this outlook on designer as well, where you don't, once again, just you don't need to necessarily let people know um by monogram that you're wearing a brand. Sometimes the 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 devil's really in the details. So you see a lot of those details with these, you know, high fashion designer brands, um, tonal stitching, monochromatic. Um, looks uh, that that was the, the, the small details is kind of what really got me into the whole thing, and I've kind of just always looked out for you know those brands ever since like elementary school, repping the LRG, my fat farm, at Avericks, and kind of letting that progress. I mean, we didn't really have too many cool brands on this side, so when I think about you know my upbringing, what was always cool, my mom loved doing the those Buffalo trips, so that's like one of the closest cities to shop from Toronto, only about like an hour and a half, two hours. So we go, we had TJ Maxx, uh, we had Marshalls, and that's where I get like uh, you know, the Rockefeller suit or the, or, sorry, the Rockaway suit or like the, the Sean John back in the day, bring that back to to uh, Woodbridge, which is actually the city I was raised in just outside of Toronto. Um, and yeah, it, it was cool kind of just kind of always being ahead of the curve. So I've kind of just let that apply to a lot of the, the, the ways that I, I look at things.
1: So I guess kind of like a two-part question for you. One, have you always been in Canada? Have you ever lived anywhere else? And then also, as far as being Black in Canada, is there a pretty much good demographic of Black, White, you know, Asian, et cetera? Or is it like, how is that kind of like the the racial demographic there? No,
2: I actually, um, the racial demographic, I'd say is pretty diverse. Um, I never really felt like, an outsider, like being a Canada. I've always lived in Canada. Um, I was in Toronto for like my first nine years and I grew up in Woodbridge like the 15 years to follow. And then I came back to Toronto like five years ago. But so it's always kind of just in the general region, so to speak. Um, Diversity is great. I feel like Toronto especially does a great job of blending cultures like, especially if you like to eat like me, like you could pick Japanese, you could pick Indian, you could pick Middle Eastern, you could pick just like a regular steakhouse or Chinese or whatever. We've got some dope African spots, we've got dope Jamaican spots. So I'm very um, happy to be in a city like this just because the diversity is, you know, it's such a great blend.
0: Hey, listen, man, you know, on the What's Saying Bad Podcast, we keep it a buck, you know what I'm saying, and... Listen, one thing I know about Toronto, the Habusha woman is out there. You know what I'm saying? One of my best friends is Habusha. she be going out there, you know what I'm saying? I'd be looking at her story like, damn, like, these are your friends. You might got <laughs> to need an assist, you know what I'm saying? So I already know that diversity out there is top tier, you know what I'm saying? And hence why I'm, I'm going to make my trip out there one day, you know what I'm saying? So I can see for myself. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm very high on Toronto, you know what I'm saying? Very, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Habusha woman out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> But uh that's a story for another day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I around. Mm, man, if you know you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, man. So obviously, like we said, man, you you kind of you're a man of wear of you're a man of many hats, you know. So you wear a bunch of different hats. You, you know, image consultant, stylist. You've also yeah. I listened to one of your other podcasts, I think uh, you out when you were on the Powers podcast, you were like, yo, I'm almost just like kind of liaison I do kind of a little bit of everything, almost like a plug, like yeah. In your own words, how would you describe what it is that you do um, and kind of what your role is in, in in this space?
2: Um, That's a very loaded question. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough to kind of fundamentalize it and put it into one thing specifically. That's why I feel like at least one thing from one of my mentors told me when I was registering my business, the best way to register it is just as a consultant. Solely because it allows you to be in these different spaces without necessarily feeling like you shouldn't be, just because, once again, like it's kind of your opinion and your demeanor that's kind of got you there, so to speak. Um, yeah, image and lifestyle, I feel like is the most broad way I can kind of put everything under one umbrella. Um, the image part will be the personal shopping and styling. I feel like I have to distinguish both because I'm not like to keep it a buck, like I'm not gonna front like I style everybody. You know what I mean? Some people might just be like, oh, I might help them get a piece that um, they incorporate into their wardrobe. And that's cool. And I feel like to me personally, when it comes to like collaborating with people, it's about like the give and take. It's about meeting in the middle. So like, I don't necessarily need to do the whole, the whole scope of work if it's just like, Hey, so-and-so is just looking for these kicks. Or if I come across something through one of my outlets or one of my vendors and they've got a super rare piece. And I know that one of my guys is really into super rare pieces on the, if you know, you know, type stuff, then I'm just like, I'm definitely going to connect the dots. I'm going to help my homie make that sale. I'm going to make my other homie, you know, make that that purchase and both parties end up happy. You know what I mean? And I feel like facilitating those types of relationships is kind of what's allowed me to maintain that North Star and just like, hey, regardless of whatever the title is, I know to myself, I'm a dot connector. I don't need to necessarily like put it in the IG bio. I don't need to change my my LinkedIn. I don't need to tat it on my forehead. It's just like, hey, if that's where I feel comfortable and confident and where I love what I'm doing, then I'm just going to keep doing it. On the uh, lifestyle portion of consulting, I know a lot of the, the guys, they just like to have fun. You know, a lot of the, uh, as a sport, um, as a big fan of sports, regardless of the industry. It's just like, hey, if guys are in Toronto and they want to have a good time and they've been given my contact to have a good time, obviously the more notice I have, the more fun we'll have. I had a homie the other day, actually not the other day, I had a homie a a month ago hit me saying, like, middle of January saying like, yo, bro, we need a party. I'm like, all right, bet, how soon? He's just like end of February. I'm like, damn, my guy gave me 30 days. I got to execute. You know what I mean? So for me, it's just like, okay, cool. Find out location, security personnel. Do they want to eat? How what what's the many what type of drinks do they want that night? What type of space do they want? Do they just want a booth? Do they want two booths? Do they want a whole private venue? What type of sound do they want? And it's just like it's really kind of running the operations and the logistics behind whatever the task is that they want to get completed. And that's the type of like behavior and skill set that I can say that yeah, I pulled that from my experience in retail. Like Um, working somewhere, uh, luckily, like a big tech company is like, it's allowed me to see things on a day to day and go through like different phone releases, computer releases, big moments that uh, help me understand how to, you know, how to approach dealing with volume or dealing with traffic, kind of quiet out the noise and understand what the skeleton is that's going to be necessary to execute the project. And I feel like it's the same type of same type of steps someone in like project management will kind of take because i've also sought advice from those people who like specialize in that domain and that's what allowed me to kind of like you know feel confident in executing whatever it is that these guys want to get done while they're out here so that's how i blend the image and the lifestyle consulting.
1: you mentioned earlier um how you know your nine to five is apple so i guess can you kind of talk a little bit about what you do at apple and then also how you're able to Have you know your nine to five with Apple, but then also kind of take a deep dive into like what your interests are so that you're kind of fully doing both and not really half feel like you're doing halfway, you know, with both.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much of Apple I can really speak on. I mean, I'm a technician there. Um the the title is genius, but like not every technician at Apple is a genius. Humble brag. Um (laughs) It, it's essentially, the, the skill set that I would say that is transferable from there is being a people person, because although my background was never in technology, my background's in finance, just separate conversation. Um, it's kind of my ability to deal with people in a one on one type moment in a high velocity or a high pace environment that's allowed me to be socially agile. So whether or not I'm shaking hands with someone who runs a multi-million dollar company and the computer goes down, or if it's just like a mom who doesn't immediately speak English and she needs to get back into her device type shit, like it's really about just addressing the person in front of you, trying to get to know them and getting to understand what they need to get done and what that time frame looks like. because although I might have a set time for how many people I'm supposed to see, per hour, uh, deliver a certain level of customer service. Like there's, the more I explain it, it, you can kind of pick up on what traits you can see, like applying in multiple fields. So kind of speak, yeah, to, to what I do at Apple is really just like try to get to know and help as many people in as short a time span as possible, making sure that their issue gets resolved. So the transferable skills would be like getting to know the client in front of me, what they are looking to achieve or what the outcome is, verbalizing and confirming that I understand what that outcome or what they're looking to achieve is, and then kind of outlining what that game plan or that strategy is going to look like. So maybe in store for me, like Apple might be like, hey, you know, you're going to have to erase the computer. But before we get there, let's make sure your information is saved if we can get it saved type shit. And then with guys like, yeah, I want to throw this private party. You want it to be this, this, and this. Like, okay, cool. And then asking those follow-up type questions to make sure that I haven't missed any of the details. That Like, do they want a photo booth? Do they want phone checks? So there's like no face, no case. Do they want, you know, is it just tequila? Or is the fucking Henny coming out? You know what I mean? So it's just like, um, it's it's all of those types of minute details that I could definitely accredit to working. I'm, I'm lucky to work at a place like Apple because it allows me to still have the flexibility of growing the stuff I do outside of there while still having a backbone and a foundation to make sure my bills are paid, rent, car, drip. Hey,
0: hey, so, hey, listen, that drip, that drip, hey, that drip cost, you know what I'm saying? It ain't free. You know yeah. Um. So my question to you is, you talked about kind of your backgrounds in finance, right? And you're working out at Apple <laughs> and stuff like that. So how did you first get into this, you know, fashion, styling, image consulting space, you know, working with athletes, right? Like, how did you first get into that space? And, um, yeah, I guess what was your introduction into that whole lane?
2: My younger brother grew up playing with a lot of the guys who are relevant right now um, on the Canadian side uh, who have been doing numbers, at least in the GTA, I should add, because, like, for example, Jamal Murray's from just outside the GTA. So, like, I can't say that my younger brother played against him, but, like, Shea, Keel, O'Shea, Andrew. My brother actually played on Andrew Nemhard's team before he converted to football. So my brothers went to football. Like before that, it was like about three, four years of like OBA, like Ontario Basketball Association um championships. Like they were the 96 Bulls. It was before uh they they had a dynasty for and this was before like we had AAU on this side because it definitely took a while to kind of get that um type of exposure over here that's another thing going back to that original question of why toronto slept on exposure is huge for us so we think about like the lineage of canadian athletes making it to the league and what that's you know kind of look like of course we got steve nash and then the big one anthony bennett and then wiggins and then tristan thompson tristan thompson then wiggins excuse me on the dates and then it's just like you know gradually we've seen more and more progression um, and once again, I think exposure is a huge component of it. And it, 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 I was just kind of reminded of it just because I was thinking about like how I got into this space. Coming back to that question, when my brother, when I would go to you know help out at my brother's practices, my brother had a coach who had a business. Um, I'm actually having a couple realizations right now. I'm, my brother had a coach that had a business that allowed him to write off shoes that he would wear for work. And as a basketball consumer, he would get to write off Jordans. And when I was 12, I didn't, Or sorry, when I was like 13, 14, I didn't immediately understand the concept of like expenses and being able to write certain things off. But I was wondering, like, this is also like, you know, 16 years ago. I'm like, damn, this cool-ass white dude's got on like the DMP pack. Well, he's got, what do you mean he's got two pairs of the 11s and the 6s? Whatever was dropping, he had in multiples. So it was just like okay if this guy's wearing the heat, I'm gonna have something. I remember like my first big pair of shoes to me was like the forest green 14s. My cousin put me on to how to shop on eBay, so I remember getting those forest green 14s um, back, and that was like my my go to shoe for a while. And every time that I would you know sell a shoe to get something else, I was only working part time as a um, as a busboy at the time. I would wear all of my shoes to J- my younger brother's practice, and I you know naturally. Being the older brother, one of the players on the team, I just kind of made friends. So that's kind of and Andrew Nemhard was the son of the coach at the time. So like Jaden and Drew were playing together, but they they had this like I wouldn't say rivalry, but like a mutual respect for Keel and Shea, because those guys back in like it was crazy. These kids were like under 10 doing left handed layups, even though they're right handed. And that was a huge thing. You know, what do you mean you're ambidextrous? And just, like, I remember when they got to an age where they could start playing zone and then they could start playing iso ball and seeing, like, these kids at such a young age have this basketball IQ, being able to read defenses and just have a drive um, that they were definitely fueled by. You could tell that they were going places. So um, fast forward... 10 plus years. Um, my love for sneakers never really changed. It definitely progressed to like, hey, if I'm going to help someone find shoes or if I'm going to find these shoes for myself, what am I going to wear with them? So I can't have on like a, you know, $1,500 pair of shoes and some old Navy jeans. You know, you see all the memes about like, yo, these are the guys we lose raffles to. Like that shit's crazy. Like <laughs> I'm going to lose a raffle to a guy who can't throw a fit together. That's going to piss me off. Yeah. So I'm like, I have, to, I have to put my own fits together. And naturally it was just like, yeah, if I'm looking for a shoe, what am I going to wear it with? And when the what am I going to wear it with turned into, okay, what would actually, what fits could I build out of this? But with this frugal mind that I have, I give cut it to, you know, that finance background, it's like, what can I buy, but I'm also going to get the most utility out of? And to me, that was just like, what am I going to be able to wear the most? So it always was like, If I'm buying some shoes, what fits am I putting together with it? And that's kind of how it turned into just like shopping fashion, shopping sneakers. And then naturally, eventually the paths just kind of crossed again, where I had an opportunity to help someone, you know, find some shit. And then it was just word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. Tough.
0: That's tough. So before I, before we kind of, I want to ask another question, but I feel like, it's important. I kind of just skirt take a stop real quick because I think you said something that I kind of want to expound upon and talk about because it's something that I recently learned about as a pro being out here in Japan, man. And I credit it to just you know being around vets and older guys that can kind of put you on game. Man, you were talking about the idea of how like you know your your bro's coach you know was wearing the shoes and then he said he was able to like write them off like uh, for his business and stuff. And this is some free game for anybody that's listening to this, man. Like, <laughs> This is a quick a quick story, man. So I'm at dinner. I'm at dinner the other day uh, with one of my teammates. Uh, his boy, who's a vet in Japan, been here for like, I think, six or seven years. And a businessman, who he's a government contractor out here in Japan. He's an American. He's from um, he's from VA, but I think he, you know, he spent some time in Maryland and stuff. We talking. We talking. It's a, a Brazilian steakhouse, sort of like food the child, But it's called uh, – it's called – I forgot the name of it. So anyways, we're at dinner or whatever. We drinking wine, whatever. Boom, we eating good. So the bill comes. And it's time to pay. And my man, who's a government contractor, he pulls his card out. He's like, Nah, man, I got it, I got it. Um, he gives the dude the um, business business credit card. He's like, Yeah, man, nah, yeah, we good, man. This is a business dinner. Y'all just uh, pay for me, pay, pay for my drink when we get to the bar. And I'm like, a Business dinner. He's like, Yeah, yeah, this is a business dinner. He was like, What was the first thing I told you uh, when I came here? I was like, Uh, you told me you was a government contractor and like you know, you, you like, told me about your work. He was like, yeah, so I told you about my business. Y'all like clients. He was like, this whole dinner, I'm, I'm I'm telling you about, you know, tax write-offs and, and this and that. He's like, yeah, so y'all are potential clients. This is a business dinner. I told you guys about my business. As long as you have a dinner and I'm missing my business, it's a business dinner. Boom, tax write-off. I was like, wait, what? He was like, yeah. He was like, <laughs> you know, if you go shopping, right? He said, if you go shopping and I buy some shoes, right? I can buy any kicks I want. If I say I'm wearing these shoes to go meet a client, boom, I'm doing a business meeting. I can write them shoes off for my business. And I'm like, bro, my mind was blown, bro. Like people talking about like how you can go on vacation and you're going on vacation and um you bring your friends and you're talking about business ideas and stuff. Now you're rattle off as um, a work retreat. This was a work retreat. And now you can write that off. I'm like, bro, people be finessing. Like, that's just so crazy, man. Like hey, they I talk about this.
2: that 1% all the time. And that 1%, there's a whole bunch of free game that's not in a textbook.
0: Man, at all. And it's like, I that just opened my eyes so much to, like, number one, why a lot of black people don't progress or don't create generational wealth because we don't know these things, bro. Like, I'm 26, and I'm just learning about this now. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, dang, I'm glad that now, right? As I'm trying to build up my all facts media brand and turn this into a business. I'm like, bet. What's well, like? What's I like get that business card. You best believe I'm um, yeah, this is a business dinner, business vacation. I'm, you know what I'm saying? But it's like yeah, that's yeah. what you do, and it's like I think that what you just said isn't even think about that, man. So I hope for the audience, you know, you guys can kind of if you didn't know that now you know, you know, giving you guys some free game on, on that a little bit. But um, I think that's important, man, to just kind of point that out because that's something that a lot of people don't really know about, you know. Um I kind of wanted to ask you too. So doing my googles and preparing for this interview, you know, say I pulled up your LinkedIn stuff like that. So it said that you, yeah, you worked at, uh you worked at the Webster uh, as an image consultant. Mm-hmm. I also seen you know some pictures of guys posting up there, guys coming through at the shop. And obviously, yeah. like a high, high fashion, you know, luxury boutique. A bunch of celebs go there when they come through the city and stuff like that. Uh, number one, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like number, like I guess what what is that you know cool experience has been like? We were talking to Momu last week he's talking about how he's working at round two in Hollywood and like, so like this is coming through yeah. there, like you meeting people and, you know, plugging them with certain shoes and just how working at round two kind of allowed him to have a relationship, you know, that kind yeah. of all down the line with getting this brand off of the ground, things like that. I want to ask you, have you had any experiences like that where kind of you meeting people coming through the store um, and kind of being able to progress a relationship that way? And then number two, just how it's working there being able to kind of help you, you know, do what you're doing now in the fashion space.
2: This might sound like a terrible answer, but I'm not in the store Okay. The Webster. The Webster specifically, I'm an external image consultant. So the way that I kind of landed that is organically just kind of doing what I do. And like once guys are in the city and they wanted to shop, it was a new space at the time. And when we talk about like onboarding, people or just kind of like getting them back home, kind of getting them familiar with some things that they might recognize. Because of how much time guys spend in the States um recognizing brands like the Webster is much easier than recognizing local talent like contraband or nomad or livestock, which are like the OGs really of like the streetwear and fashion scene in Toronto. So like first and foremost, I gotta keep it a buck. Like contraband, nomad are and livestock, are like my my go-tos for like what I was raised on since I was in high school. Um the Webster was well, not was. It is a it is a company that Um, Obviously they got a great um, Curation of Streetwear, fashion Sneakers from time to time Designer type shit Um, But considering that they Had just recently opened And they were in a revamped space It had a little bit of a a, a Allure to bring the guys through It was kind of what was trending On like IG and TikTok Um, And by bringing guys Through that space just because the people inside the Webster are, are so dope um, that it made it very organic to kind of bring these guys through. And that's kind of how they offered me that ability to work as an external consultant. And then that just reopened the doors for me being able to introduce guys to other Toronto boutiques as well. So, like, I can't necessarily say that the Webster is in the same category as these other you know, ones that I had mentioned, just because the ones that I mentioned previously, like they've been doing it in Toronto without, once again, that exposure for so long. So, like anyone coming in, it's like a hidden gem, um, versus like the web search, which is like oh, I recognize that name because we don't have like we have a Saks, but we have a Saks that's a part of like a bigger department store type shit. You know I mean, we had Nordstrom is closing in Canada because it's not doing well. So I don't know, like the, just once again, like finding the the. The disconnect between the consumer on the American and the Canadian side, the the Webster is definitely a name that's recognized on both. But I get the pleasure of being able to introduce these guys back to like these local Toronto boutiques who've been had the Jordan accounts, been had the Nike accounts, been getting that exclusive streetwear designer type shit. Um, been spending time out in Paris doing like the buys. Um, personally, so when I started getting into fashion, um. Contraband actually let me finance a pair of shoes when I was like 18. I remember getting these um Giuseppes back before the rappers killed them. And it was just like, these guys let me split payments. <clears throat> so they've been taking care of me from when I was young. And now that I'm actually like, you know, doing a little bit better and I'm able to bring guys through, it's about paying it forward. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to front like that. You know, sure, don't get me wrong. we has got this big, cool brand. But like, that's not a brand. That's not the company that raised me like Contraband, Nomad, those guys I've like, been shopping at for over 10 years easily. you know. So I've been able to see like their progression. I've been able to see them expand, see them, you know, change how they've put out content and really just like honed in on shit. Um, <clears throat> but I don't, you know, I don't externally work with them. I'm more so bring people there because like those were my places growing up. So when you talk about keeping it a buck and say, like, hey, where do I like to shop? Like those are the spaces to me that that are front of mind, but the Webster for sure has definitely been like an easy. It's a conversation starter, you know what I mean? Like it, they they did a pop up over in um in Utah for All Star Weekend. Now it's cool, so it allowed me to bring Drew through, get him fitted with some shit. He wore that fit actually for um the Rising Stars Rising Stars game. So it's cool to be able to kind of have um continuity. Um, but I can't immediately say that being there has helped me with expanding my brand, if that makes
1: sense. You mentioned a little bit with the image consulting and how you know sometimes you end up styling head-to-toe, sometimes it's finding that you know item that maybe they're having difficulties finding, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not as obvious online, etc. So when you are let's say Let's take the styling route. When someone comes to you and they want you to basically style them for said event, what does that conversation look like as far as like really getting to figure out what the event is, getting to figure out, you know, how to mix being stylish, trendy and their personal style? Like, How does that conversation go for you?
2: I think you, you kind of hit on it right there. Just kind of figure out like what is their personal style like or <clears throat> theoretically, like what is the aesthetic that they have in mind? Cause I have different clients. Like I have an Olympian, for example, and he's really into like the UK type type vibe. So like he might want something sleek, and that's where it's like, okay, cool. You gonna fuck with you gonna fuck with some Stone Island? You gonna fuck with some uh, Rick Owens? Uh, We might blend in some stuff that he's already got. He's a Reebok branded athlete, so it's like having fun with like maybe some of the Reebok collabs on the footwear to make sure it stays stays on brand. So there are some touch points you definitely have to ask like what the parameters are. Um You know, you got to make sure that, you know, if guys have a contract, you have to, first and foremost, you have to abide by that. So if they're not allowed to wear anything outside of the brand that they're signed with, you know, if they're a Nike athlete or if they're a Reebok athlete, like, yo, we know for sure, like right off bat, like your footwear is going to be their Nike Reebok or a designer that's like neutral, right? Like a Rick Owens. I feel like that's another reason why We've seen just like the growth of Rick, aside from like Gunna and so everyone else. um, We've seen brand neutral designers um, grow more because it's just like it's not going to impede on any contractual limitations. So when we're when we're building that fit out, it's like, yeah, let's let's get to know the event or the occasion that you uh, need these outfits for. Um, Let's talk about, you know, do you want to sacrifice being comfortable for something that's super sexy? Or are you trying to just like be in a if you know, you know, type vibe? Does your shit need to say the designer? Because like, although I have, you know, my personal preferences when I'm shopping for myself or when I'm, with styling it with full liberty there are some guys like yo if i'm gonna be spending the money like i do want it to say fendi or i do want it to say dior or i do want it to say Prada. It's like that's cool and it's just like how can we kind of make sure once again that we're hitting <clears throat> all the metrics or all the, the the key performance indicators um for what these guys actually want to achieve is that so- too 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 broad an answer no no, no that's perfect that's perfect oh like that. That's perfect. Uh, I want to ask I you. Lex like, Rose for a second. I'm just like, she's not responding to me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, she probably frozen. I was like, oh, man,
2: I, I got to stop rambling.
0: No, no, no. You're good, bro. You're good. It's probably Wi Fi, man. Um, so I got kind of two questions. Uh, the first one is, you're teaching me something right now. Because I didn't even, I knew that, for example, right? If you're a Nike athlete, you can't wear Under Armour and Reebok and shit like that. Like, yeah. I've self explanatory. But you mentioned like Rick Owens, for example, and him being like a neutral designer. So you can kind of, guys, kind yeah. of. So what are kind of some designers that aren't neutral, like we'll, that guys would kind of get in trouble for wearing? I guess I didn't know that they were like designers that weren't neutral. If that makes sense, I didn't know no, that, that.
2: Most most designers are neutral, and I don't think like once again like I'm I'm not reading the contracts myself. Let me preface that, um, but for like Rick is interesting because Rick has collabs with everyone. Rick has like collabs with Adidas and Rick has collabs with with Converse. So like. If you think about it, Converse and Nike are like this. So if they could have a collab with Adidas and have a collab with Converse, you know, I haven't seen them put out any Adidas in a while, but I know that there was a period. So before quoting me on it, I would have to look in to see whether or not that Adidas thing still stands. I know people with Adidas contracts are all over the place right now, whether they're athlete or artists, I'll leave it at that. And then Converse, I'm not sure to what degree it has, you know, affiliation or immunity from it being under the the, the swoosh umbrella um, and that whole incorporation side. The, the legal side of things is definitely very interesting. And I feel like it's another thing that also ties into, you know, how brands are developed. Because I look at designers that were never really pressing people for a long time. Like you look at John Geiger, you look at Warren Lotus, guys who've been doing their thing for a whole while, and but then they've ran into some obstacles when the silhouettes of what they're designing is too close to belonging to another brand. But then you have someone like Bape who's been doing it for forever and it's just like, only now are they just getting like these cease and desist about certain silhouettes. So it's been kind of crazy to kind of see you know, over the last few years just like, I feel like there's a influx of guys who are just getting their shit slashed. Yeah, yeah, so
0: kind of uh, I guess the second part to my question well, he talked about you know that relationship between a player. All right, bet we'll look at you going for all right, yeah, you should wear this with this and this and that. Has there ever been a time where a player was like, ah, nah, I ain't really feeling that, Joan, bro? Like, and if that's happened, like, does that is that like is that like an ego hit or the kind of just part of the business? Like, how does that work when it, you may put something together? Gotta charge like- to the game. Yeah.
2: You like, dude, respectfully, like, I remember um, there was a dude who I got put into contact with. And, like, between not being immediately familiar with their European sizing and not having a distinct direction of what they found to be, like, a cool T-shirt from certain designers, we just, within, like, 24, 48 hours, we were just out of touch. So it was just, like, but once again, I was just, like, you can't necessarily take, I think that's another thing that Apple's kind of taught me It's just, like, yo, you can't you know, resolve everything. I might get a couple of genius bar appointments and I, I can't fix the issue with the computer right? based off the way that you're using it. I can't fix the issue with the phone based off the way that, or based off what your parameters are. Um, And I feel like it's about being as transparent as possible and properly setting expectations of what you can and can't do. Or you're going to try to do as much as you can to help whoever's in front of you. But like, realistically, you're not going to be able to help everyone. You know what I mean? So like, um ego was it impacted a little? It was like, okay, cool, maybe I because at the time it was someone who played for the raps. someone was like shit I I would love to have the type of relationship I have with guys outside the team that I do with the home team, but if it's not you know if it's not organic, then so be it. you know what I mean And I've worked with uh one of the dudes on the raps a couple times, uh, but just off Of like transactions. You know what I mean? It's not like full on stay in conversation, buddy, buddy, how you doing? Great game type shit. Um, so, yeah, I think in, in the moment, yeah, it was a little it did impact me a little. I was like, yeah, uh, doing doing this stuff is great. It, it kind of feel, I can only imagine how full circle it'll feel when that time comes where I do have the type of relationship I do. some of the players with someone who's on the raptors um but you know that's the benefit of working outside of just basketball because i could say that i have that relationship with someone in baseball so although it's not immediately the raptors being able to kind of bring that same energy to another sport um
1: has definitely rounded me out i would say so when you were kind of first getting into this um industry, was there anything that you felt like you would have you would have liked to know where it's like, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's like (laughs) Like I charge people.
1: Yeah, that's a good yeah. I mean Yeah, I I was going there because my thing is too, it's like, okay, let's say you have someone come to you from the raptors that wants to get styled or wants your help locating a piece wherever whatever it takes to get that piece. Um so I guess there's different layers to it. So do you charge, you know, do you charge me and Andrew the same thing, the same thing you would charge somebody from the Raptors if you only had to go to one website to find the piece that they're looking for? Is that different than having to source it from someone in Paris? Like how, of course there's levels to it. So how do you kind of put everything in its lane so that you're still getting compensated for your talent. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it is a talent being able to, you know, use your resources and stuff like that. But at the same time to the point where you feel comfortable so that you don't feel like you are taking advantage of someone that, you know, has more money than the average person.
2: Yeah. And I think that's as well, like once again, going back to the whole topic of transparency, like the, the prices that I typically will charge are consistent. So if it's going to be like a single transaction, that'll be a certain percent on the total bag cost. Um, if it's within a certain range. So like if the spend is of a certain in in a certain window, then cool. We'll just knock it out at a certain percent. Um, typically the guys that I deal with aren't spending less than a couple K. So just right off the bat, it's just like, Hey, if it's for my time, Or just like completing the transaction because completing the transaction is like start to finish so you have to remember it's like it's the sourcing it's the communication it is the oversight of making sure that the products are getting delivered in the timely fashion they're expected and that they're actually arriving um when i actually helped one of my guys get a pair of like the the off-white complex con joints is like that taught me very quickly you have to be very cautious of how you're shipping certain things, <clears throat> because if you're shipping certain things at a certain value, you might have to present certain forms that prove that you're not a star. Or sorry, not a star, a store um, and make sure that you're not trying to evade taxes. And that's a huge thing. It's just like, don't get me wrong. People will f- find a way to cut corners where they can. Cutting corners that involve the government, bro, save your time. I'll just tell you from now. Just like incorporated in 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 the um, in total fee, so that you can be transparent, so that it is headache free, because you you can't put a price on peace of mind. And the last thing you want to do is just like go back and forth with someone but like, oh well, you paid for this, yeah, but it didn't arrive, and now you're in this whole situation. You know what I mean? So when it comes to, for me, pricing is like being as transparent as possible. Like if there's something new coming out, it's like, hey. You know, I'll make sure I secure it for you. It'll be this many points on top, right? Or if someone wants to give me a budget in advance, like, hey, here's here's ten k. Um, here are some of the pieces that I'm missing. Um, build me a deck for some some for some looks. So I'll send out a deck of some looks. How they get how they get mixed? Those individual pieces, and they'll say, yeah, I like that. I don't like that. Yeah, I like that. I don't like that. And then I'll go back and I'll get it, and then I'll send them an updated balance based off of um what they had initially sent me the stuff that they had okayed and i had bought what the service fee was like my service fee and i make sure that my service fee is actually separate from like duty and shipping so you need to make sure that like once you like this now ties back into the finance background is like when you're looking at a balance sheet you're looking at what you're left with after after expenses right so whatever your net revenue is uh you're after expenses, after all deductions and all that shit, like you're looking at what's left. So you want to make sure that what you are trying to charge isn't being impacted by these other expenses, if that
1: answers the question. Yeah. So like since the, um, since the ratio between the U.S. dollar and the Canadian dollar is different, do you kind of account for that too? Or how do you kind everybody, of get that? The,
2: the easiest way is like everybody gets paid in U.S., so to make it simple, because all of my clientele are in a American um, industry to keep it consistent, I just give prices in American. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. To answer your question. Yes, that does benefit me, but it also allows me to keep it a buck with people like, Hey, look, this is what this price is. Here's what we're going with. And then it's consistent. There's no extra conversion. Cause then when it gets the conversion, you got to deal with like okay what is the google rate what is the paypal rate what is the bank rate and now you're playing this whole game of just like you want to be able to at least for my myself personally and like what i've learned is like you want to be able to streamline like the answer you're giving to people because it impacts your consistency you know what i mean like you don't want to be like oh you charge you know Marcus this price but you charge O'Shea that price like no nah, bro they're actually the exact same the exact same yeah. price I mean, like maybe what somebody bought was more than that that other person. But even when I'm, you know, getting people connected with watches, like I have the luxury of of having a friend that does kind of what I do, but on specifically around watches. Um, and it's been a pleasure watching him grow. Uh, someone else I met through my younger brother, and once again, like he's got boutique here, he's got a boutique in Arizona. But for once again, for pricing consistency he's going to charge in U S just because like it's numbers that guys are familiar with. And rather than having to, because if I shoot a price in Canadian, it sounds like it's a lot more than what guys are actually paying. That's another reason why guys come here and have fun. Cause it's just like, if they're getting 30% on the dollar, you know, a thousand bucks U S is 1300 Canadian. So if they only need to spend a band to have the impact of 1300 bucks here, then yeah, their dollars going to go further.
1: Right.
0: Um, so you've worked with a bunch of guys, you know, a bunch of like Canadian guys. You mentioned already on this uh, interview already, you know, O'Shea and and uh Andrew Nimhard and 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 Nikhil Alexander Walker. You talked about you know working with Gary Trent on the raptors and stuff. Um, what's it like working with a lot of these guys, man, that are just playing in the league and you know, rising stars, you know, literal and figuratively in the NBA? Um, then number two, I guess, you know, being able to curate, you know, these guys' uh, you know, wardrobes or sense of help them get pieces, just what's that whole you a know, relationship,
2: like, you know, um, working with those guys? So someone like Keel is super fun to work with because, like, he does all his fits. So I don't even have to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, he he does all his fits. I was just, between games or whatever, I might I might come across some very rare shit in his size because, like, being that he's anywhere from, like, 11 and a half to 12 and a half, it's like, yo, these are sizes that we get in Canada. You know what I mean? Or these are sizes that people that... Um, I work with can actually get hands on so one of the some fun pieces we've got from him are like what the dunks um the, those complex con joints um help sourcing like some lv forces like that type of shit someone like gary trent like that dude is he's this whole he's a whole entity on his own so he's just you bring him into a space and he just he gets in his zone and he does his own shopping and then it's more a matter of just like i don't i don't think that he says no to too many things. But at the same time, if he doesn't see the whole fit together, he's not copying it. So I remember like, we got into a conversation. it's just like, he was looking for this Chrome Jersey and these two denims. I found the Jersey, but I didn't find the denim. So like, fuck it. I don't want it. Like, see that I got to rate it. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like you either, you have a vision of what it's going to look like. And people will look at some fits and be like, yo, those are kind of wild. But at the same time, it's like, yo, this is exactly how it was intended. And you have to, You have to love the art. Everyone's going to have their own approach to it. And then other guys were just like, yeah, you know, maybe O'Shea might, I I might line him up on where to get certain jeans or like make sure a a shoe is set aside for him. Or if he says like, yeah, um, it's time to refresh, I might send him a bag um, of like a a pre-built cart of like some versatile pieces. Cause like you want to make sure that you're, once again, your dollar's going as far as it can. And then it's really just about like them cashing out. Or Drew. Drew was cool, too, because he's just like, you know, it's his first all-star. I just wanted something calm, something subtle, but at the same time, you know, something current. So that's why we wanted, like, that mohair, Saint Laurent-type vibe, tonal, a light gray, dark gray, black feather pant that was a pair of gallery, some classic Travis's. So it's, it's cool just being able to pick these guys' brains and being able to, like, switch up and say, yeah, we can do that. Or yeah, we can do that. Or some guys we don't need to actually do anything aside from just like be in that space with them, and then they take care of the rest. So
0: just a, a quick follow up, man, because I've actually been peeping Gary Trent Grant for a while, man. He he definitely fly, you know what I'm saying? But he do be wearing some crazy fits sometimes too. So my question for you is um uh, number I guess two two things. I think number one, like. I think it's it's admirable that I think guys like, for example, Gary Trent, like guys like Coos, Jordan Clarkson, those guys like aren't afraid to step out of the comfort zone and wear something that's different. Yeah. Um, so I admire that. You know, I think that that, that that that's dope. What's I guess one of the most abstract fits that you've helped Gary put together? Like one of the most where you like, damn,
2: like this might I, I haven't helped Gary put a single fit together. For real? okay, so okay, so that's he's, that's, he's, that's he's, all JR. JR have just been in in, in 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 the same spaces um as in a certain moments i can't take any credit for anything that he's put together that guy like i said that, that guy is a one-stop shop if he doesn't i might have thrown him some ideas for like like i said like those chrome pieces but we didn't even complete that transaction because once again it was just like it kind of just spoke to like yo if he doesn't see the whole fit then it's just like it's it's not it
0: right has there ever been a time where like a player has come to you like yo like i think i'm about to wear this joke and it's like i know this about because so for example kyle kuzma I remember reading that they made an article about it in the Washington Post when he wore that pink sweater. Uh that Who went yeah, huh? Yeah, yep, yep, oh. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he put on the the, the sweater and uh his styles was like they were talking about how beforehand you were like, yo, like we about to fuck him up, but this was like I already know before they before he wore it. And uh obviously it went viral and the world was talking about it. Has there ever been a time where like you I guess sent a player a piece or you know, uh, and they were like, "Yo, I know this might this might turn some heads." Like, have you, have you ever been in that situation?
2: Um, I think a lot of stuff goes under the radar. I think Keel is a great example. Keel is a great example of if you know, you know, because he he's been pulling fits for a very long time, and you can go back on his IG and you can see some of the footwork to shit. Some shit looks like regular fours. If you take a closer look, those are like undefeated fours travis scott fours and not like the blue shits that release to the public like he's got friends and family in both colors that dude's be pulling some shit he's got like eminem car hearts that that dude has a a kick game that is wild. that's why it's it's so fun to work with because it's just like being able to find those nuanced pieces that aren't necessarily loud but to a connoisseur it's just like if you know you know it allows me to remain true to like I'm a sneakerhead first. First and foremost, I mean, I feel like the internet definitely ruined what it what it was like to be a sneakerhead. It took away from the authenticity in it. But at the same time, it's just like it's about adapting. So although I might not necessarily go out and drop X amount of thousand dollars on certain shoes, guys who have the capital and guys who, you know, are true fans of the art that that is, you know, these collectibles. Um, Helping them find those pieces is definitely fun.
0: Um, so I wanted to ask, man, like, one thing that I'm, I was always curious about, I think the audience will be curious about too, right? So obviously, man, nowadays that NBA brand is something crazy. Dudes is getting paid, you know what I'm saying, big money, right? So um, let's just be transparent here, right? You don't got to n- say no names, but my question is, what, like, what is the dollar amount on some of these fits that these guys be wearing? Like when you put together a fit for somebody that might be on average, like, you know, pants, kicks, the accessories, bags, right? Like are you sending them the bill? All right, boom, bro, this is how much it's gonna cost. Like, how much does that actually look like for people who
2: might not know? It's it's definitely gonna range. And I definitely don't think that it has anything to do necessarily so much with what guys contract. Okay, I stop Guys' contract definitely a huge factor. But considering a whole bunch of stuff has weight in the secondary market, you have to remember that, like, given that some of these guys are already Nike athletes, for them getting a pair of Travis's is no no headache. You know what I mean? So it's just, like, the fit to them versus what the fit's like to the general public is two different conversations. Because these guys don't have an issue with going into, like, Chrome Hearts, for example, and getting jeans or getting carpenters. Whereas, like, if you're the general public, good luck. Right. I'm saying so, like O'Shea. The other day was I think when they played Dallas, he brought up this, the the Chrome Hearts certified loverboard jeans. So to the general public, that's a ten thousand dollar pair of of denim. But if you're getting that at retail, it's like twenty five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So the the discrepancy between that is just like, although a lot of these pieces hold weight in the secondary market, you don't necessarily know, you know to what extent they actually have to pay out of pocket to get those same pieces. Right. So, so like, I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, oh, I was going to say like, there are like, for example, like Kuz's raft sweater. Like it's not like people are going crazy on resale to try to find that because everyone's just like, how would I wear this? Or who am I to wear this? Can't Kuz is Kuz. Right. You know what I'm saying? Kuz is cool. So when it comes to something like, Oversized and long, like, yeah, you could pull that off, dude. Six, eight, right? With a bag, of course, you could pull that off,
0: right? You
2: know what I'm saying? So it's just like the fits, honestly, they range. I don't think I could really put a number on it because even like, I don't know, I could think of so many different options where it's like maybe a couple thousand dollars and maybe it's tens of thousand dollars. And sometimes it's just like it might be tens of thousand dollars and it's just like 90% of that is the shoes. Hmm. Right. so it it'll vary i think guys can definitely throw a solid fit together it depends on on the brand as well like there are certain brands that i stay away from so i i don't typically go near amiri i don't typically go near like palm angels but like if guys are looking for let's say that flare look gallery denim is going to run you anywhere from like 750 to 1750 you know what i mean chrome denim is going to run you anywhere at retail from like 24 to 3500 bucks unless it's leather then it's a whole different ballgame right varsity jackets where's your varsity from because a varsity that's from like St. Michael might be like or like off white might be like 2k 2500 a varsity from LV is anywhere from like 5k plus then it's also shit like well if they're shopping certain designer are they buying it in Europe or are they buying it in the States with the way that Europe works it ends up being significantly cheaper buying designer pieces out there so if they had bought that piece out there then it's just like you know i can't necessarily say what someone's total fitness cost and that's where this background in finance comes in because it's just like i as a uh collaborator or as a consultant i need to be able to play that arbitrage between the different markets and understand that yo you know this is what this is going to cost you you know what I mean? And how much utility are you actually going to get out of this piece? Because the moment you wear it, there's a picture in it, and then can you wear it again? And that's when it turns into just like, okay, well, maybe we need to get rid of some of the stuff that's just sitting in their closet that you know you only bought to wear once type shit. And that's how I also help with putting not just styling guys, but helping them put money back into their closets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, helping put money back into their pockets right. from their
0: closets. Right, so like that they may have worn once and might probably not going to wear again, helping them like resell yeah. Shit like
2: that, yeah. And it's not even sometimes it's not even resale, but it's just like if you pay two k for something, it's just gonna sit in your closet. Let's see if we can get you back seven hundred fifty bucks. So, let's see if we can get you back like a thousand bucks, type shit. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's better than zero, considering it's just gonna sit there, and you're just gonna either give it to a family member, give it to a friend, or just donate it. Right, right. So
0: let's say you know. Let's say I'm somebody who, you know, I'm not in the league. And I don't got no max deal, but I'm trying to get fly, right? You know, how are you putting together a fit for somebody who don't got the big bag? Like, what are you recommending to them? You know, what what advice do you have? Like, how does, you know, how does that work? Would you is that like, you know, because like I said, man, folks trying to get drippy out here, you know what I'm saying? But everybody don't got the big bag to, you know, get yeah. the kind of and stuff like that. So like, what would you do for somebody like that?
2: I think that's what kind of allows me to have fun in the stuff that I actually live in. and That's like workwear and sweats. Mm. You know what I mean? Like your sweats don't need to be Dior. <laughs> Period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you can get like Jerry Lorenzo is the fucking goat because he has, he has made it acceptable to have like formal sweats. You know what I'm saying? Like we've seen like, everyone in the essentials gear we've seen everyone in the fear of god stuff and it's just like regardless of your tax bracket like there will be something for you you know what i mean and on the the streetwear and vintage side we've seen people like sean witherspoon really come up out of like you know round two because it's just like the whole concept of round two that second time around is like yo one man's trash another man's treasure you know what i'm saying so it's just like a used piece that you know you're going to get multiple uses out of Right, you can get tees, you can get denim, you can get workwear. Like Carhartt's huge, Carhartt's very trendy right now, um, and we've seen that kind of come as an evolution from like this whole flare era that we were given by Gallery and Chrome. Right, I'm saying like if you look go go back ten what 10, 15 years, we're all wearing skinnies. We wanted to dance to the jerk track.
0: No, but yeah, I'm saying, and it's
2: just like <laughs> to see us pivot to like, okay, go from like skinnies to like stack denim to like cargos to then flare now workwear. It's cool. I I don't know if I could ever see myself going back to like, not necessarily skinny jeans, but like a good pair of tapered denim you always kind of need. So that's always going to be a staple. I think it's cool being able to see like workwear that's super affordable. I mean, like if you're if you're you don't necessarily need to thrift the vintage yourself anymore. I know with all these different vintage retailers, um, it's very easy to put together some vintage-based fits. You know, I mean? and allow that to be your aesthetic, and it's affordable. You know what I mean? And you get the most utility out of it because, like, the more you wear, you don't need to necessarily worry worry about like your Carhartt double knees getting fucked up because they look better the more they get fucked up. God forbid you stain them, and now it's like art. Now you got you, you get like. You know what I'm saying? Like if if you had like a melted pack of M and M's explode on your cream color Carhartt double knees, it's gonna look like a pair of gallery. So the way that the colors hitting the the tan and shit, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like it's you can definitely work with almost any budget. Um. So my advice to anyone who is definitely being uh budget sensitive, there there are options out there. Um that aren't necessarily hidden either you just have to kind of know what it is that you're looking for and know the aesthetic you want to build like if you want something a little bit more t- and and minimal everyone like let's not shy away from the fact that minimal has done a great job of just existing and we've seen them copy fear of god directly we've seen them copy rick owens directly we've seen them copy rude directly so it's just like minimal to me is like the zara of brands that we people actually like you know what I'm saying? Like, Zara puts some shit together for, like, white people.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> like the the fashion runway designer, Gucci, Tom Ford, that type of aesthetic. But it's just, like, on the streetwear side, for people who don't have the bread for, like, Fear, Brood, Rick, Stone Island, etc., etc., etc. Minimal is copy-paste. And it's at that Zara price point. So, being able to apply to, you know, those consumers who love a certain aesthetic but maybe the the price point of that aesthetic is outside of their range just like minimal's done a great job of making that affordable so shout out to them on that so
0: hey man i'm a big time zara shopper man so listen i i i my, right now i'd be in zara you getting- getting this shit for the low and zara got some gems i won't lie i won't lie even though my boy says for white folks i do be rocking the zara i can't i can't lie i do be fucking with the zara man i don't fuck with the lines
2: you don't fuck with the what I think the lines mm. them zara lines you pass sometimes it's just like yo that sh- you would think that someone was releasing but no. whether they have lines. and i it wasn't until recently where i found out those lines are return lines Because like people are just buying shit online because it's so tough to get in store. And then whatever it doesn't fit that arrives at their door, they just go back and return.
0: luckily for me, I'm in Okayama. I'm in Okayama, Japan. So the Zara lines out here be a breeze. Be two folks in there. I'm not I'm not in Tokyo. Yeah, I'm not in Tokyo or Osaka. It should be nice and neat and folded up properly, no lines. That'd be cool, man. Um, now, nah, so I want to talk to you. We're gonna to get to All Star Weekend in, in a little bit, man. But I know that you know, I feel like working in this space, man. You get a a lot of dope opportunities, man. Dope experiences just by, you know, like I said, working with people who you work with and getting being able to do things that that you do. Uh, what are some of the coolest experiences that you've had? Like, or you know, coolest memories that you that you've experienced just by you know working in this space?
2: Shit, yeah, man. That's 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 a good one coolest experiences one of my clients sent me a voice note the moment he bought a crib for his mom that felt full circle because it's just like realistically like we know each other because of like work and like me being able to provide a service to build a relationship to a point where you can notify me that like something hit home for you I feel like it was very special and I feel like that's kind of where it's just like yo you can really building community is more than just what's marketable. If that makes sense. Like, I think we talk about a lot about building community because that looks so good for social media, but like when you actually are building relationships, like community is a result of multiple like relationships. So when you have certain relationships that reach a point um, that kind of hit home, I think that's really cool. So that was definitely a huge moment for me. Just something that like I look back on pretty often. Um, another one was being at one of my baseball... Actually, I'm not even going to hide it. Alec Manoa has to be the coolest baseball player I ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend is just... At, fiance, sorry, is just as cool. We... <clears throat> I had to go by his spot to drop off some shoes. And they invited me up for dinner. Um, his fiance put together something dope. And as I was eating, they were watching the game, and they're arguing about whether or not someone was a strike or a ball. And it was just so badass to see, you know, uh, ML just kind of talk about how she's like, no, that's that's definitely uh, a ball, baby, mira, mira. And then going back and forth about like pointing out the dip, like she's dissecting the the play in that moment and AK is now speaking to why he would have called that, you know, a strike and she's arguing why it wasn't a strike. And to me in that moment, that dynamic of understanding your significant other sport to the degree where you can have that strength of opinion and ability to argue and articulate, I, I, I might be overlooking the whole scenario or like, exaggerating it at least to how it was received to me but i've never seen you know i never see a clip of savannah arguing like that something was a charge versus a like versus a foul you know what i mean like that's the kind of way that i would look at it like if you have that that special person and that that's 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 your person that's your boo um and they are able to live in your work world you know what i mean it's like if, if you have a doctor and a lawyer the doctor's not necessarily going to be able to live in the lawyer's space. The lawyer's not necessarily going to be, be able to live in that doctor's space. Because once again, like, it comes as a byproduct of experience. Right. And to be able to watch that in that moment and just kind of see that investment, I was like, yeah, having a partner like that, that's that's pretty fucking cool. Because, okay. like, it's the moments where I don't necessarily think of just like, oh, shit, that was, you know, a, a certain celeb that I, that I would fan out, out for it's more or less like these behind-the-scenes moments that probably aren't even that big to, like, a general consumer. But, like, to me, it's just, like, witnessing these small tidbits hit home.
0: Hell yeah, bro. That's dope, man. So kind of staying on that same note, man, Um, you had the opportunity to go to All-Star Weekend uh, this year out there in Salt Lake City. Just talk about what that experience was like, man, Um, being out there and, and just, you know, the whole vibe of, of All-Star Weekend.
2: You know, Utah is not too bad of a place. Jordan Jordan Clarkson put it really well in the the caption, I think, something along the lines of just like had a lot of fun for a boring city type shit. Because people hear like Utah, let's skip it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, like it it was um it was bittersweet because you know, I had been there earlier in September, back when Keel was with the Jazz. And now, like, kind of being back in that space, and it's just like, damn, this isn't even home anymore. Um, which is interesting, because that's that's kind of just the industry. I mean, like, you're you're paid to provide a service for certain teams, and you as an asset, you get moved regardless of whether or not that you've settled into a space, and you just gotta adjust, and that's just the game. So for me, going going into Utah, I was like, like, yo, fuck this place,
0: right. But, and that and
2: that was I'm like, I feel like I was on some, some bitter, some bitter shit, but like, you know, it's keeping a positive energy and just like recognize like, Hey, this is my opportunity to meet some people, reconnect with some people. I got to link with do what mama do while I was out there, which was cool. Um, I got to bring my homie also from Toronto with me, my homie from Toronto shoots for the weekend. So it was cool for him to just like, to do this project or do, this like R and D type trip, right. To see like who we can network with out there that he realistically didn't have to come on. You know what I mean? So it was cool just being able to have that level of friendship with someone who who's had much bigger opportunities just coming. Is like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at expanding. I'm also looking at helping you out. And that was cool for me. And it's that we just kind of let that fuel our trip based off of, you know, our the the verbo we had booked canceled on us. It was a much cleaner and modern space. Um, the space that we ended up using was actually by like a mental health institute on like Crackhead Road or some shit like that. Yeah, it was. I was slumming it in, in Utah. It should look pretty on the outside, but just like social media, like it's all smoke and mirrors. You know what I'm saying, like, my god, I was sleeping on top of my bed in sweats. thank god for that jordan there was a jordan brand event on on the thursday before the weekend kicked off where like with you get a custom hoodie dude my homie and i were sleeping in our respective hoodies and our sweats to sleep on top of the bed because like the place that we ended up staying at versus what we had initially booked is just like hey at this point i was like we have to make the best out of this trip
0: literally literally what was coming like the day day out there like for you? Like, you know, obviously like if you're a player, you got you got you know the all-star game or you got the practice for the rising star challenge, or you're doing different events. Yeah. So what were you doing out there like as somebody who's a creative? Like what were your days looking like out there um during all-star weekend?
2: Um the days would vary. Uh you know, we were there Thursday to, to Monday. We really just spent yeah, like Thursday through Sunday out there. Uh It was actually much cheaper to fly into Vegas and go from Vegas to Utah for us to get in and out of that that city that weekend. So we got into Utah the Thursday afternoon, got off the plane, dropped our stuff off at Schitt's Creek, and then, you know, got right into the styling shit. Like Drew was just finishing a media event. So him and his mom um, met us at the Webster pop-up put something together and then after they left we went on checked out some of the pop-ups that's really what we were doing majority of the the weekend is just going to these different pop-ups these different activations because a whole lot of brands were out there um liquor brands um obviously hennessy the devil is is the official partner of the nba so they had some stuff going on out there Hmm. um met some cool people with the hennessy team um, we went to some Nike and some Jordan brand events, were dope as well. Um, we checked the rising stars game. And then just in between that, uh, Jordan Clarkson had a brunch. She also did a, a, a party the Saturday night, he Had a brunch to Friday, a party the Saturday night. So once again, it was just like being in these spaces. We definitely had some hospitality from some locals that I had met last time. So they, they uh, gave us a bit of an itinerary as well, and then everything else was just like on the go.
0: So you know, people want to know, man. The streets want to know. You know what I'm saying? What's what's the parties like at All Star Weekend? Like, you know what I'm saying? We have a lot of partying going on, a lot of long nights. What's, what's up with that?
2: <laughs> um, the, the nights were long. Yeah, I can I can definitely put it like that. Partial. I'm not sure if we were extending the nights just because we didn't want to go back to our hotel. Mm-hmm. um there were also parties that we showed up just didn't get into mm-hmm. like the friday night me and my homie like we didn't get into a certain party capacity or guests, or whatever i don't even remember what the case was when i found this uh this Thai spot to eat at because them shits was packed regardless of the weather like and i think that that was cool because it kind of reminded me of toronto regardless of the weather people are going to show up and like all-star weekend is the who's who it's the corporate NBA is the corporate Nike, corporate Jordan, corporate Hennessy, the players themselves. And if you're not in immediate connection with anyone, it's a toss-up. Friday, Friday didn't look too – Friday was kind of grim. But, hey, you know, you you, you can't get to everything. Kind of like what I was saying about, like, problem solving. You're not going to be able to fix every issue. So some of them you're going to have to charge the game, and some of them you're going to have to just make the most out of.
0: Um, it's crazy, man, because people always talk about summer league and the all-star weekend being like the NBA is like convention, right? Where everybody's like doing business deals and everybody's networking and connecting and stuff like that. Um, you know, what kind of networking were you able to to do out there? You mentioned your boy that came with you, who was a videographer, you know, for the weekend out there trying to connect, step in new lanes. So just, what was that networking landscape out there being able to, you know, meet different creators, whether it was stylists, photographers, everybody was out there. Like you mentioned, it's a like who's who, you know? So- Talking about the the networking um, space out there at All Star Weekend,
2: um, yeah, most definitely. Like Thursday, Mamadou actually was able to help us with getting into this Jordan party, and then just meeting some of the people on the corporate side of Jordan Brand. Um, we actually bumped into someone who the photographer I was with, um, he knew back from Toronto. So it was just like, are or they, or, or like the dude who was working at the Jordan event knew who my homie was type shit. And it was just, it was cool to see like from when we had essentially got there that like, hey, this, this ball is rolling. You're not sure who you're going to meet. So there, you know, like I said, there's people on the, on the corporate Jordan side, uh, Amar, a whole bunch of people know Amar because of his, you know, his uh, notoriety through league fits. You got to put respect on Amar's name when you say, it, you know. Thanks, straight up. So, <laughs> Being able to kind of like do some, uh, be in, in, in proximity to Omar, uh, meeting some of the people that he knows well. He, um, you know, He's an extremely hard worker. We, we did the, the Bristol Studio uh, basketball run. So I got to meet some of the people from Bristol Studio. Shout out to them. I got to meet some people from um, NBA on the corporate side. It's really cool seeing young creatives in these spaces um, just doing their thing, so getting to network with them, um, getting to have lunch. Even at lunch, Amar was doing work. Like that guy does not put his laptop away. But hey, we see it in the result. So right. it, it is what it is. Um, at Hennessy, you met some cool people from the Hennessy corporate side out in Houston. Um, I got to meet Ivy Owino. She's the the MC extraordinaire for the Dallas Mavericks. Um. Super dope in person. Um, you know, I got to meet a couple new um ball players through Amar and through some of the other guys I knew that were out there. Uh Dan Solomon had a pop-up as well. Um Tomasi had a pop-up out there as well. So there's some unseen being that was being previewed out there. So shout out to Unseen Being. You guys gotta look out for that. Dwayne Wade had a whole, uh, I think Dwayne Wade had an unseen being fit one day and a Saban fit the next day. So that's, you know, to see guys that I know put pieces on big names like that, like that's super dope.
0: Man, that was crazy. When I seen that, I was preparing for Mamadou's interview, and uh, I seen the D-Wade, I was like, damn, bro, that joint, big ass sit bone in the back. That shit was hard to see, man, no cap. Um, You know, for you, man, you've, I think, you know, you you had uh, just – a bunch of insight, you know, already that we've talked about, you know, throughout this conversation. Um, what advice would you give to somebody else that's trying to get into this space of, you know, being an image consultant stylist, being in this fashion, space, you know, somebody who's listening to this interview right now and they got their notepad out, you know what I'm saying? That they're trying to be the next Khalil Washington, right? Like, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to come up in, in, in this space on how to get to where you are?
2: Um, You got to take some risks. You got to take some risks. I go, I go DM diving Mm -hmm. for like different guys just to introduce myself. And it might hit on 5% of the time. You know what I mean? But it's going to allow you to kind of create a relationship, hopefully that you don't have, or at least to get your name out there. Um, You also have to be willing to do the work. It sounds very cliche, but also like the reward for great work is more work. So you really just have to sometimes get yourself that opportunity, put, try to put yourself in those spaces. And that's where it's just like, yeah, I feel confident with the work that I've been doing over the last you know, 10 years and more formally the last two and a half years. So now that I kind of have this repertoire, the, this list of examples of pieces that I've got or people that I've helped or um, yeah, pe- people that I've helped or pieces that I've got. Now it's just like, let me reintroduce myself. And that's essentially what I, what I, you know, how I look at networking. So you have to be able to find creative ways of introducing yourself and being able to, you know, mingle in different spaces. If you, It's one thing to, to do all the work and be an introvert. It's tough because like, you have to be able to kind of speak to the work that you're doing and make it make sense for someone else. Although it might make sense for you, you have to make it make sense for someone else, and only through like repetition and exposure, you're really gonna get a chance to figure out like what certain keywords or what certain approaches or what elevator pitches you know are gonna work out best for you. Um, but all you really need to do is find a way into the conversation, whether that be inserting yourself physically and just kind of being in proximity and someone else introducing you, or, you know, having that perfect elevator pitch that in a DM, if it gets opened will it get a response type shit?
0: I think um, you dropped a gem just now. Number one, you said uh, the reward for putting in work is more work. You know, and I think that's that's a gem right there for sure, man. Because at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to, man, is being able to push stuff in positions. Like, yeah, it's great to be in them positions. But like you said, that when you get into them rooms and when you get into that position, you have to be able to deliver, you know, in order to kind of keep that relationship going. Um, Another thing that you said that I really thought was was facts, man, is when you're talking about just kind of DM hunting, right? And you talk about you might get a response on 5% of DMs. And that's something that I relate to, even in this space that I'm on now, right? In this podcasting space, trying to get guests on, man. I might send 100 DMs and, like, I might miss on 95, but I might get five replies. You know, and them five guys that reply, boom, people you move forward with could put you in contact with somebody else and somebody else. And it's like, that's just part of the game. I feel like a lot of times in today's society, Number one, people are scared of rejection. People are scared of of you know not getting their reply or being left on scene because like their ego gets in the way. And mm-hmm. It's like the more and more I realize and the more and more stories I listen to, man, um people are talking about just like how they got to be successful. I was one of my favorite influencers that I, I tap into on Instagram is this guy by the name of Carlos Harris Jr. He's like a man's lifestyle content creator, a bunch of like, you know, home decor fashion and just man's lifestyle stuff. And he was talking about when he first got into content creation and just working with brands, he was like, bro, like I literally uh, made an email list of like a hundred or 200 brands that I wanted to work with. And I emailed 200, I sent 200 emails and just see who replied. Oh yeah, man, we're willing to work with you and this and that. And it's like, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. You know, they're not willing to put themselves out there and like, like, Hey, this is who I am. This is the product that I have. You know, are you willing to work with me? And the reality is number one, you might get told no, you might get left on scene, might get left on open, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the reality is, you know, you might get 95 no's and five yeses. but those five yes's can, you know, put you into that next level or move you forward, man. And you can't be afraid of that. So, you know, I really appreciate it. You know, you, you saying that as well, because I think it just confirms, you know, that idea that, man, if you want to get to the top and you want to be successful, you got to be willing to do things that other people won't do. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right.
2: I think it also, it, it, just because you don't necessarily have a, a definite project that has a definite bag, if you have an idea and you can kind of feel ways that it could grow or ways that it could kind of like garner traction, then sometimes you got to put work in for products that don't immediately have like a guaranteed income. Mm. I mean, it, if even if it's just for exposure, if it's for your portfolio, you're gonna have to do some of that work, so that you have, you know, the evidence of the type of stuff that you're capable of. Because other than that, you're really just speaking about it. And if you're speaking about it, it's really just the same thing. as just like switch your IG bio, be a model, be a a, a photographer, a, a, a stylist, a plug. Right? right. Or you can you can change your IG bio be whatever the hell you want to be.
0: Really. Right. Literally, man.
2: The more um, evidence you have of you actually doing it, it just speaks to who you are.
0: One hundred percent, one hundred percent, man. Kind of bringing it all full circle, man. Before we get into some, some quick hitters and get you out of here, um, you know, you've 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 been in this space for a couple of years now, and you know, you mentioned you know you do a lot of different things, right? You know, so for you, right? If you look, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, right? Like, what's the end goal? What where do you want this to take you? You know, if you could say like, you know, this is my dream job. Like, this is what I want to be doing in 10 years, right? Like,
2: what does that look like for you? I feel like there's an opportunity to be a cool guidance counselor. (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean? Because like, you have to think about it. Like, part of the reason I'm in this space is because I didn't go pro. I, 5'9", there was no sport. I mean, soccer, maybe, but like. I was never that caliber of soccer player to have a competitive chance. I I was never going to be, you know, in the league, but like that, that shouldn't skew how much I love the sport. And I feel like the, the love for basketball as a whole has of course created, you know, an interest and a fancy for like the other sports, but my love for basketball never changed. However, I knew that I needed for me to be able to continue to be a consumer of basketball. I like going to the games. I like, being at the high school games like being at the the pro level games everything kind of costs money so you have to figure out what you're going to do that's going to create a source of income but just because you're not necessarily the person who's in the league yourself doesn't necessarily mean that the people who are in the league don't need certain types of support be it either someone to talk to someone for advice someone for sake of content someone for sake of styling for sake of shopping there's all these different services that could, you could theoretically offer and you can make those services your business while still having that passion and that love for those sports you know what i'm saying so as someone like myself like i'm pretty good with numbers that's kind of how i ended up in finance never changed my love for ball but i kind of applied the principles that i had learned to create these different services and from creating these different services I'm not the content creator you know what I mean like on this side I did this series called fit checks so that was actually people that I met working at Apple who were also wanted to you know also fans of the sport who were in media who did digital and film photography so as an external stylist where I was doing a with the webster like stylists got to have their own like um product page instead of having a definite product page I put together these products, not just the products themselves, but I put those on people, I put those on different creatives and athletes and entrepreneurs in the city, and then got my homies that I work with to capture them. And that's kind of how I look at building community It's just like hey people are fueled by whatever their passions are, you can try to bridge these gaps. And if there's not a immediate opportunity for you, you have to create one and that's what you know fit checks was for me and once again it helped me with building portfolio. But that's what it was like nothing ever skewed me from what I wanted to do. And that's always just kind of be like involved in that mix. So now when guys need something, I can say it's under the 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 umbrella of image or lifestyle consulting. Because lifestyle, you know, if they need a finance guy, I can redirect them. If they need a watch guy, I can redirect them. If they need landscaping for their crib, I can redirect them. You know what I'm saying? If they're trying to eat, do whatever, whatever. And that's because like I have been in those spaces myself, I figured out who I need to know in certain spaces, who the professionals are in those definite spaces. So when the pro athletes wanna get into pro cuisine or pro level entertainment or that type of shit, it's just like being able to really connect the dots. So answering your question as to what I would like this to be, I see my holding company that I have registered, uh, cost of being relevant agency, Cobra for short, I see it going into different avenues. I see it as, you know, a a program or an incubator to support not just the athlete, but the athlete's environment. You know what I mean? It's being able to create opportunities for people who are the students um, and the people who are the pros. And just being able to always have some type of opportunity for someone to grow, someone to learn, um, someone to do something.
0: Yeah. yeah, man, this has been a dope conversation. We kind of took it everywhere that, you know, I, I had this question written down, but I didn't get a chance to ask you, man. Just talk about the work that you are doing with. You kind of already spoke about FitCheck, but the work that you're doing with, you know, cost of being a relevant agency and just, you know, what that's all about.
2: Yeah, so cost of being a relevant agency was an idea. It was actually the name that came to me first. I was in New York uh, in 2017, and it kind of just like the this person I was dating at the time, she kind of asked like, you know, what I would, why I don't do my own thing and what I would name it. And the name just kind of hit me. Um, And then from there, I just kind of just like sat on it, sat on it, kind of asked myself like what it meant and how it could, you know, be applied differently. Um, I think, and then my financial advisor, actually, uh, he helped me kind of understand it more as a holding company rather than a brand. And the closest analogy I could make is the work that Virgil was doing with like Off-White. Cause whether Off-White was doing a collaboration with Ikea, a collaboration with Nike, a collaboration with Maybach, with whoever, it was distinctively his work or his spin on something, you know what I mean? So like there wasn't one avenue that he was tied down to, but there was a certain, there was a certain, what's the right word? there were certain details that just definitely spoke to like his quality of work. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like the same approach I want to have with the different avenues that I'm getting into right now. Fashion is the Trojan horse into bigger conversations, but at the same time for what that end goal is, and I'm not going to jinx it. um, I'm going to let fashion continue to be the Trojan horse into the conversations and everything that's to come, you know, will come.
0: That's dope, man. That's dope, man. Um, I definitely can't wait to see what's to come. Um, you know what I'm saying? We're definitely going to, I guess I'm definitely going to be, you know, following your journey with all the things that, all the things that, that, that you're doing, man, what cost of me a relevant agency and, you know, a bunch of the styling and consulting that you're doing, man. So, um, before we get you out of here, man. we got a couple of quick hitters that I want to ask you, man. Um, yeah. just pick your brain, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, we asked, do this last week, man. So I got to ask you as well, man, give me your, uh, Mount Rushmore of, of fashion designers.
2: Mount Rushmore.
0: Mount Rushmore. So you got four on there.
2: Damn. Four. Um. Okay. V for sure. Jerry for sure. Yay for sure. Skateboard P.
0: All right, so that's a great four. That's a great four. But for the folks who may not know who who V or Jerry,
2: Oh, oh her, Virgil, Jerry Lorenzo, Kanye West, and Pharrell.
0: Ooh, okay, okay. I love it, love it. All right, that's, that's a great four right there. That's a great four. And right when there. you
2: ask those, and if you ask anybody else, those aren't fashion designers, but I feel like that question is subjective. And in terms of whose fashion I follow the most, that's where I'm going.
0: Heard you, heard you. I right, bet. So uh, when it comes to like, you know, so hold on before I ask this. So you you mentioned earlier you don't really mess with Amiri like that or Paul Manager, you kinda of stay away from that. So what are some of your favorite brands like when athletes come to you that you think you know uh that 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 you're fucking with right now?
2: Rick. Um Rick has been one of my favorite designers for a while. I mean the the Ramones have definitely blew up, but it was actually the my homie that I grew up with playing basketball who got me into Rick. Um He's this cool dude who runs a cycling company up here, but he was also like him and his mom are like like this. So I gotta love it. And she's who put him on game. And by default, he's discovered men. So he's he's who I learned about Rick from back in like 2013, 2014. And it was the Creage cargoes that got me started. So you've seen people like Braun and Travis where those same type of cargoes with like the front pocket. Um Rick has definitely been one of my favorite designers uh, that I like to point people towards. Um, not so much the wild runway shit, but um, the, the staple pieces. Um, Fear of God is just so versatile. Whether you're doing the the main, main line or whether you're doing essentials, there's just so many different pieces that you can pick and pull. I love everything that Jerry's doing. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, I'm a big sucker for St. Laurent. St. Laurent has been consistent, in my opinion, in just putting together dope pieces without loud branding. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a big fan of them. Um, the LV Virgil capsule was some of the most fun shit that I've seen in a while. So, any opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough now because they've gradually, like, it's gradually being phased out moving into new designers and stuff um but people that yeah the brands that i think of immediately uh, rick and fear for basics my homie from nomad ivan he put me on to jill sander um jill sander does some great. this, this is actually a jill sander tmr right now so i love the mock neck but the, the just the quality the feel um it's italian white tea don't get me wrong i go to costco and get a pack of white teas, but like as soon as I put this on, I told Ivan he ruined my life because now I can't, I can't do anything that's not, not like this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think those are the first ones that come to come to mind for footwear. Uh, honorable mention has to be Visvim. Hmm. Doom. Do, I understand. mean, you're you're out in Japan, so you definitely know all Bro. about that.
0: It's crazy. He put me on last week and I was not hip. So I said, I had to do my Googles. I said, damn, I gotta tap in. So they, you're the second person to mention VisVim. So now I really, now that I'm out here in Japan, man, I'm definitely about to tap in for sure. Cause I was not hip. I was not hip. If
2: you, and if you look at it <clears throat> in the um, the Kanye between Adidas and Nike era, if you look at some of the stuff that he was wearing, classic Bottega, classic Fear of God, Cla- Rick Owens parka, Sailor on denim Vizvim footwear. You know I'm saying? If, if Jerry's not wearing Adidas right now, he's wearing Vizvim footwear. So that the, the handcrafted moccasin, that is one of my favorite silhouettes. Something you can just slip on and go. Um, but those FBTs come in a whole bunch of neutral and natural colors. So I, I really fucking love their shit.
0: That's lit. Okay, bet. Uh favorite black owned brains that you want to show some love to. Okay.
2: Say Ball. The bone, straight up. Say the bone, I'm going to stay with my chest. Unseen being. Unseen yeah. being, got love for Tomasi. Okay. Uh, those are the first, first things that come to mind. Um, Out of Toronto, you got to show love to Added Asterix. Okay. You've seen Zion in their jacket in that varsity. You've seen Nikhil in that varsity. Say it one more time. Added Asterix.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'll text that to you. Yeah. Um. There is Spencer Badu. I heard it. Spencer Badu, once again, like similar, similar avenue in Rick since, like the devils in the details, functionality of the pieces. Um, he's got some great work. Um, I think those those might be my rush more of black-owned designers that I'm immediately, you know, speaking of.
0: Lit, lit. The ones that aren't
2: like all over Vogue and Fashion Week and that type of shit. Like, right. The ones that are up next. The
0: gems. Love it. Um, gems.
2: Biggest fashion no no. Shit, where do I start? <laughs> I wish we, we should have opened this conversation with that piece. Uh, biggest fashion no no is Balenciaga Sock Runners, the Balenciaga Triple S Sneaker um what else i gotta do it by I gotta, I gotta do it by brand uh cartier buffies he ain't fucking with the buffs A miri motor denim motor denim died with what with, with ball dead. what else motor did i say motor denim like the, the biker jeans i said that right yeah you said that yeah shit uh the there's one that kind of teeters a very thin line that's leather pants for me because like if you're gonna wear leather pants you better come with a fit okay. some people just try to throw leather pants with like a t-shirt or a hoodie and it's just like bro you you gotta like if you're wearing leather pants you have to commit to it
0: right you
2: know what i'm saying and, you, and you'll like you'll go back and you'll look at some fits and it's just like yeah i wouldn't wear leather pants when you see like Shea or Keel in leather pants, but they went OD. Shea came out with the mink. Keel came out with like the super exaggerated shoulder look. like he does a thousand and five push ups every two hours. So, those, those leather pants, if you're going to do them, you have to commit to them. Otherwise, leather pants would kind of die with Kanye. Um, Fashion no those Panda Dunks. <laughs> How much time do I have? <laughs> I'm just you I'm just with Emily. O'Hare, all the fuzzy shit. Okay, okay. Um, the shysty. The shysty's not was never really a fashion thing. I, I mean, have, the, I've, seen a, I just, I've seen a couple people put this together with it, but it's like, it's few and far between. Like, Stefan Diggs did yep. some shit in a shiesty and like a, a, like a, I'm not sure if it was mohair or what it was, but that's on his, his stylist, uh, Chris Blake Griffith. Yep. That dude is, he's sick. Word. That's, that's probably my favorite uh, honorable nod. Like that's my favorite, one of my favorite stylists out there.
0: Ooh. Okay. So wait, let's get into it then. Who are, who are some of your favorite stylists, man? Cause I feel like um, a lot of times people give credit to the athletes. Oh, he be putting it on, he be putting it on, yeah. but like, they don't even know, not even knowing that there are stylists behind these fits and these athletes that people love. You know what I'm saying? So who are some of the stylists that you like that you think are, are doing, doing a great job out here?
2: Um, there's one dude I gotta look up his name, but he's like all over like pro trending and league fits. Um, I'm for it starts with like a, a D or some shit. I wanna say it's like Donovan song. Uh I, I don't actually know his name and then yeah, Chris Blake would be the other one.
0: Okay. Chris Blake is
2: oh, some crazy fits. I'm
0: gonna have to look into Chris Blake. I'm gonna have to look in him for sure. I fuck with Diggs though, because he's from Maryland. So I'm from Maryland like Stefan Diggs, from Montgomery County, just like Diggs, Diggs, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's that's, that's the, the Mo County goat right there, Stefan Diggs. They man, I'm <laughs> like Stephon Diggs, man. They, they both uh Mo County, Maryland guys, man. Um nah man, so we 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 won't we won't kill you with the with the questions, man. Last thing I want to ask you before we got here, man. We asked everybody this question before we get them on, um, uh, before we send them on the way, man, is who is one person you think we should have on the what's in your bag podcast? Um, but whoever you say, you got to get in your point guard bag, man, and, and give us the assist for, for getting them on. Hmm, one
2: person you need on this podcast. Um My homie Nick, the same one that I said, the same one that I said, you got to look out for Added and asterisks. Yep. Yeah, my homie my homie Nick. Yeah, okay, bet. So I, bet. Will, I will give him that heads up that you'll yep. be reaching out and that he's got a, a, a feature he's got to be on whenever the schedules align. That's always – the toughest part is always the scheduling.
0: Facts.
2: Facts. Especially with you and your time zones. But, yeah, I think hearing – His story and his ability to grow his brand um, I think would definitely be inspirational to a lot of people.
0: Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah, man. Um, Well, this has been an awesome conversation, bro, man. We've been on here for over an hour and a half, man. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even realize it until I looked at the clock, man, because we've just been talking and vibing, man. So, number one, I want to say thank you for your time, man, because I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on, man. And, you know, I don't want that to go unnoticed, man. Like, we we value every guest that we have on here and your time, man, because – you know, we know you guys are doing a bunch of things. And you know, the fact that you took the time out of your day to come on this podcast and tell your story, man, truly means a lot to me. It means a lot to Alexis as well for everybody watching, she had to run. Uh shadow she she had some had to go take care of, man. So thinking for me and Lexus, man, you know, we really do appreciate you taking the time out to come on here um and chop it up with us, you know. Um and number two, man, I just I'm just grateful, man, just to be able to meet another person who's who's super dope. You know, shout out to Amar for the connection. Um, shout out mama do as well man we might be seeing these guys again man Ammar had a dope idea you know saying about something we could do again so i'll take you about that on the on the side we gotta, we,
2: gotta do, we gotta do it live in toronto
0: facts facts man facts so we, we we might got something else cooking man you might be seeing these guys again um you know on on, on all facts man but yeah man i just want to give you your flowers man this has been a dope conversation you know i look forward Thank to you. no doubt man i look forward to following your journey you know what i'm saying and uh like I said, I know this is not going to be the last time we chop it up, man. So you know, we got to get you back on the podcast in you know, a couple of years and then chop it up, tell new stories about you know, yeah. what, we're, what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? So just, again, man, want to give you your flowers and, and say thank you for coming along with us today. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. No doubt. No doubt, man. All right, guys. This has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, man, if you guys are still here listening to this interview, man, go ahead and tap that subscribe button. You may as well. Give us a thumbs up. This was a great conversation. Um, It goes a long way. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. Follow the show. You know, all that good stuff. It goes a long way, man. This is going to be my guy Pull Up Tay again on the outro. We'll see you guys next time, folks. Peace. Suave,
1: Suave. 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 I've been in my back for a while, I'm invincible. Story of a young boss grinding, shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor. Every talking that I shoot is on point like a pencil. Different road, change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly. Now-